You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. This coming Tuesday on December 3rd, the Devastation on the Nation Tour is unveiling its full tour dates. I am so stoked and so proud to be one of the official sponsors of this year's Devastation on the Nation. Back in 2017, Cryptopsy headlined Devastation on the Nation Tour where we played None So Vile in its entirety. It was an absolutely great time, and I'm so stoked to be a part of this year's lineup. It's absolutely incredible. Devastation on the Nation 2020 features Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. That's such a sick, sick lineup. So lucky to have this happening in North America. This is a tour that you do not want to miss, so make sure to keep your eyes peeled on December 3rd to see if this tour is coming to your town or a town near you. And if it doesn't come to your town, don't bitch. Get in your car and drive to that closest city and come see the tour. Sometimes when we're on tour, we drive 10 plus hours a night to come and play for you so you can return the favor and come take a trip to come see us. Until December 4th, I have a Black Friday sale going on at the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. The best way to support the podcast is to go through the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. I've reduced the prices of the Cuff Knit Vox and Hops Beanie, as well as the 9-ounce Vox and Hops branded glassware. If you place your orders in before next week, you will get them before the holidays. So these items make excellent gifts for your craft beer and metal-loving friends. The link to the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page is available in the description of this podcast and is on all the Vox and Hop social media pages. Today on the podcast, I am with Chris Bose, the vocalist of Alestorm. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode 90. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Chris Bose, the vocalist of Alestorm. We are right outside of Metropolis, now Amtelis, and you're about to uh, tear the place down. We're going to... We're going to try our best to give the people of Montreal a big, silly, drunken, happy party, yeah. Does it get tiring being that guy? (laughs) (laughs) The drunken party guy? Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, the people come to the shows and they go, oh yeah, we're going to see Ailstorm, that's the drunken party pirate band. That means they're all going to be drunk and ready for a party. But, you know, we're still humans, you know, we get, we're getting old, we're getting really old. <laughs> so you get drunk one night a week and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. I need to sleep. But we're getting by. It is something that happens when I'm on tours, like for these people coming to the shows, this is their big night out. Yeah. They're coming. They've, they've saved up for it, hypothetically. They, they got their beer fund and they're going to go out and have a good time and they expect us to go with them. How far along do you play? How how reserved do you have to keep yourself to keep the show going and being at the level that you expect it to be and to be happy as a human being? Yeah, to quote M. Bison from the Street Fighter movies, for me, this is just Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite lines. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's, we, we try our best to, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're fun people. I like, at least I like to think we're fun people. You know, I, I think I'm all right. Um, you know, I like a drink, but we also, you know, we like to play well. There's a there's a fine line where you do too much of one and the other one becomes a bit compromised, so. And the main reason that you are here, that we go on tour, is to play to people. Yeah. To perform. I mean, I think, you know, 
back in the day when this band was young and we were all young and we had livers of steel and no one really <laughs> cared too much about what we did. Well, we'd get up there trashed and just play a bunch of songs and go, ah, isn't drinking great, woo, and then, to be honest, no one cared. And people liked it. But I think these days, I guess we're more professional or at least more self-critical and, you know, it's, we gotta, we got to do the thing well. There's a lot of people watching, you know. They're paid and want they, to experience. They paid and some of them are paying awful amounts of money. So it's, you know, we don't want to ruin their, their night out, it's, even if the night out is a Tuesday. Let's take me back to your youth, growing up in your house. What songs were playing? What did your parents listen to? What would be the soundtrack to your youth? My parents were not the most into, you know, music, you know, popular music. They, I think they're, they're some of these people that, you know, they, their music taste was in the 60s and the 70s. And then the 80s rolled around and they said, well, this music's not for me. You know, when everything became a bit disco, electronica, new wave. They said, nope, not for us. And then music just stopped being a thing. You know, we, we had a piano, and that's what got me started on this whole musical whirlwind. Is, you know, my dad would play the piano, and, you know, I'd, I learned the piano from a pretty young age. It was always there. I, you know, I thought, you know, I was never very good at it, you know. I was acceptable. I can, I can play, but it's not incredible. And that's what started me on music. It was, but it was never, like, uh, much in the way of rock music or anything. I remember my uncle had a, a Queen compilation tape and every time we went to visit him, they'd put this tape on. I was like, wow, what the hell is this? This is just mind-blowing music. And, you know, it, just, it was the heaviest, coolest thing I'd ever heard. So, What about your first gig? Do you remember your first gig before Ailstorm, before that first time? Watching a band. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was... Um, I was... I went to see Rick Wakeman... Yes. From the band, yes. Yeah, yeah of course. Yes, yeah, yes yeah. exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a solo show in... Um, in my hometown Perth I was in this big city hall theatre thing we just sat I think I was the only me and my friends were the only people under 50 there and um, it was him doing so and they had this singer who I later found out was this guy Damien Wilson who sings in the band Threshold okay. no 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 it's, like an, it's a prog metal band and uh, he was the singer and we were up on the balcony and he and we were like again say the only young people there and he sort of was on stage. It was one of these very long Rick Wakeman instrumental songs. And he was just sort of standing there on stage, just, you know, thrusting a little bit. <laughs> so then, then he saw us, we were the only people, like, you know, reacting, and he's sort of really going, oh my God, music. So then he, he came up on the side and just stood on this balcony in front of us and thrust it in our face. And that was very strange, being thrusted at by this guy. By an older but, man. But it was very, you know, it wasn't horrendous. It was just like, yeah, he was like, yeah. And we were like, going, this is weird and cool, whatever. But then, that was my first gig. This, but the real proper first metal gig was, uh, I, I was a massive fan of the band Balsagoth from England. Big, crazy, symphonic, black metal orchestra, nonsense keyboard band. And I went all the way down to England to um, Bloodstock Festival. It was the very, it was the the second Bloodstock Festival back when it was a little small indoor thing. It's a it's a bigger thing. It's one of the probably the bigger ones in England these days. But back then it was a small thing, the pub, well pub, large venue. But you know, um, and I saw Balsagoth, and it was just the best thing, and I loved it, and it was just my favorite thing I'd ever seen at the time. I just couldn't believe how good it was, and that's what really got me on the whole. Wow, you can play keyboards in an extreme metal band you know that, that, that context didn't exist to you before no but yeah because you know back then uh, before that that band you know my exposure to heavy music had been things like you know just the usual 
new metal-y nonsense and so on and so forth. And I didn't think there was such a thing as keyboards. There was no place for it, yeah. No, I didn't realize, wow, I've got a role in this world. So, you know, that's what got me down into that rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask because of being from Perth, that's a small city, You, there was no big shows coming through. You always had to travel. So you had to be a huge fan of a band to buy those tickets, to get the lift organized and to make your way there. Yeah, even these days in Scotland, uh, it's very much a forgotten about corner of the touring circuit. You know, it's especially a lot of the big European bands, they think a UK tour means going to London and that's it. Yeah, or, or hitting like Glasgow and... Uh, yeah, even yes, on the, the ones that even make it to Glasgow, like when you're a kid and Glasgow is like, especially in, I know in America and Canada, driving is a thing you do in your sleep, but... Uh, in, in, in little old Scotland, people don't go far. You know, mm-hmm. 20 miles is a long way. And so just arranging transport to get to Glasgow and back is just beyond what I could have achieved. So we just missed out on everything. Fox and Hops is all about hanging out with metal people, drinking some craft beer. Today we're drinking uh, Le Saint-Buck's uh, Malédiction. It is a milk stout uh, with uh, cacao and vanilla. It is one of their classic stouts. If you go to the pub, they serve it with a roasted marshmallow. Which is does it just awesome. does it just like sit on top of the yeah beer? yeah and then and then you eat it at the end. Oh, which that is, sounds kind of fun, it, doesn't it? It's delicious actually. It's creamy. It's good. It's a uh, malty. Mm. It smells like chocolate. I'm glad you picked a stout because I am definitely not one for the bitter sort of you know hoppy sort of beers. I, I like a, a malty beer. I figured. I figured. That being said, are you a craft beer enthusiast? <laughs> Feeling honest for the most part. No, not really. Uh, when I drink beer at home, we tend to drink um, German Weiss beers. I find like a lot of American breweries, Canadian, you know, North American breweries. It's really where the, the whole craft beer thing is centered. They don't do Weiss beer right. It just doesn't taste the same as the German ones. It's always everyone's trying to get too adventurous with like orange and cardamom and mad flavors. I just <laughs> like a classic German Weiss beer. The pure ingredients. Yeah. Having toured Europe and stuff, when you do fall into those pure beers, you can drink a whole bunch of them. You wake up the next day, you're a little bit thirsty, you have a, <laughs> a bottle of water, and then, okay, I'm good to go. Yeah. Versus a night of craft beers. You would they, they not want to, to have, you. you would not want to have uh, a night of drinking 10 of these or something. <laughs> no, that might be a mistake. <laughs> they actually have a double malediction, which is double the percentage. I think it's up to, this is a 5%, so it's nice and smooth. I think that's all it needs. I, I, I don't think beer needs to be strong, especially look at a lot of the um, the English style ales, the ones they, they pump and yes, exactly, yeah. like three and a half percent alcohol, and it's and it's great, you know. But they're meant to be drank yeah. all day. Oh yeah, that's what they were invented for. It's, yeah, let's talk about your first experience with beer. My first experience with beer, being from Scotland, I, I can imagine it was in a pub with your parents. I've, I've everyone that I've interviewed from the UK tends to have that story, which is very different from the American story where they had to go out and sneak and drink it. So let's see what yours is. Well, interesting story. Uh, when I was younger. I was uh, a little bit of a hardcore kid. Really? Okay. Uh, and as we all know, what goes with hardcore, everyone who thinks hardcore is great thinks that drinking's wrong. And, ev- you know, it's just the way it goes. It's, <laughs> it's part of the scene. Like, if you like metal, you grow your hair and wear black clothes. If you, if you like hardcore, you don't drink. It's just one of these things. And I, like, I was really into, like, New York hardcore bands. Like, my favorite band was... Again, this was, like, just before this whole metal thing kicked off for me. I like band, My favorite band was a band called Cause for Alarm. Good, uh good NY hardcore band anyway and so that was me and I, I sort of get stuck in my ways 
And even when I sort of, you know, got into metal, I sort of, you know, I, I never quite got into drinking. I was like, I don't know about that. And it was, I went off to college. Um, actually, just before I went to college, I started this band called, we originally called Battleheart, before we were called Hailstorm. And, you know, we had this song, you know, we, like, from the very start, the lyrical themes were pirates and drinking. And I didn't drink. At all, it was just an idea that you enjoyed. Yeah, and I just liked writing the songs. You know, it's so. I, you know, yeah, like I was writing this song called "I Want More Wenches and Mead," and <laughs> had not touched. I didn't know what mead tasted like. I just knew it was a thing. So I was writing these songs, um, and I started thinking yeah, I should probably. Uh, I mean, I am in a band that sort of sings about this stuff. Maybe it's you know might want to see what it's all about. And it was in my second year uh, at college, you know, university, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I wanna, I can have a drink. Really? Yeah. And uh, so I told, I was, you know, I, I mean, I'd, I'd go to bars with my friends. I'd just have a diet coke, whatever, and they'd all drink. And I was like, hey, uh, my name was called this guy was called Michael. So hey, hey, Mike, I think I'm gonna drink. He's like, really? So he bought me my first pint, and it was this beer called Worthington's Cream Flow. It's one of these uh, English cream ales where it's. It's kind of like industrial stout, I suppose, with this weird something about it makes it very velvety. And with mm-hmm. they, they pump it on nitro, probably. Yeah, they, it's, they, it's very obnoxious head on it. And um, that was my first pint of beer. I was like, great, cool, I'll drink beer now. Uh, and then I think went out the next night, and obviously, like I say, this time at this time, you no, know, I had a song called Wenches and Meat. I said, like, right, you know what? There's a, I know there's a store in town. They sell meat. I'm going to buy a bottle of some fancy, nice mead. I bought this bottle of mead, and I drank about a quarter of it, and I was the most drunk man <laughs> off a quarter of a bottle of what's basically wine, and I was just off it. And I was like, this is great. And of course, you know, wake up the next morning, you don't get a hangover if it's your first time drinking. You're like, like, like oh my God, this is fantastic. Drinking's amazing. I'm going to just do this always. And then, you know, obviously... <laughs> As we grow and get older, the pain ensues. Yeah. <laughs> what about the, your first times on stage? Were you a guy that just loved being on stage? In your house, were you always singing? You said you played piano. At what point did the singing come in with the piano? Um, well, I was never a singer. I'm still not really a singer. And again, back when this band was still called Battleheart, I was just the keyboard player. Really? Keyboard player and songwriter. And it was like me and my, my friend Gavin, who was at the time the guitarist, we, we were sort of the guy, it was, it was, it was kind of like a studio project kind of thing. And it was just me and him. And we sort of assembled a vague sort of lineup. And we got this guy we knew who could sing. I, was, I used to play in percussion in an orchestra and I knew this guy who, was, who liked a bit of rock and metal and could sing a bit. And so we, we recorded this instrumental demo and said, okay, you can do some vocals. And it was a song called Heavy Metal Pirates. And he came into the studio, and it it was all a bit sort of clean, like very sort of like, yeah, we are heavy metal party. It was like it wasn't probably it wasn't we what like, you they, envisioned. We were like, no, no, I think we should be a bit more kind of rough and tumble than that, a bit more piratey. <laughs> so uh, I said, you know, how about you sing it? Like this, and I took my went, We are heavy metal pirates, you know, like like real fucking going extreme with his accent. And then we're like, oh, actually, yeah, that's that's what th- it that's is. it. Yeah, sorry, you're not in the band anymore. I'm a singer. Now. <laughs> it was, I mean, we were a little bit more gentle than that. But you never sang before that. You never approached like like vocal training. Re- you know, never. I still have not. I probably should. You know, just for the sake of protecting the old chords. But do you do any steps leading up to? Stepping on stage, what is your warm-up technique? How do you stay healthy? Well, 
The thing is, I sing very quietly. Okay. It's just, it's all in the microphone for me, really. So it, it is not a strain on my voice. I mean, obviously, in the studio, when we go to the studio to record, I really belt it out. And it's, I just deal with the pain. But on stage, I could do it forever. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. You've hit your little niche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people think, oh, how do I sing like you, Chris? It's like, really, you don't. It's not very good. It's so it's like almost like a fry sort of. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that similar take, uh, at least that similar approach, but a bit more sort of, you know, pirates. But it's, there's, cert- there's certainly no immense power behind it. It's just there. And how about, were you like a shy kid? When, what Getting onto stage, was that like a big step for you, playing in front of people? It's, I mean... I think I've always been a bit like um, creatively outgoing. Like I'm not usually an outgoing person normally, but I think I like to showcase my creative things. Um, it's a good outlet for me to you know get out there. But the the I remember the first shows when we only we only did three shows as an unsigned band before really? it suddenly suddenly spiraled out of control. Good for you. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's we, rare. Things we didn't know that was amazing at the time. We just thought, okay, we've done three shows. This is life, yeah. Yeah, and then we did nothing for a year. Like, all three shows were sold out. We thought, okay, whatever. That's, that's what happens, right? That's what bands do. They play shows and they're sold out. Then a year in, later... In, in Scotland. In Scotland, in a pub okay. in Dundee. Um, like a hundred people and they were everyone was dressed as pirates. We were like, okay, that's amazing. Whatever. And then a year later, we were like, remember that those songs we wrote? We should probably uh, do something with those. So we sent them off to, uh, at the time, we thought, oh, hey, who's this cool record label? Oh, they're called Napalm Records. They've got a, our favorite bands at the time were bands like Corpiclani, like folk metal bands, and Tear and things. They, they, they had a lot of the folk metal scene on their roster. So oh, let's just send them our demo. We, so all we just said, we had a, three songs on MySpace, and we sent them this link saying, hey, guys, um, here's our MySpace. Are you interest, interested? Got a reply within 24 hours saying, yes, here's a contract. We're like, okay. I guess that's what happens in the music industry. You, they just send you contracts, and so we, we, we. It took us a long time to realize that you know we'd sort of double <laughs> on jackpot. Yeah, we didn't know. We just thought that's what went. You know? Compared to all these other bands, yeah, <laughs> just strum it out for years. <laughs> and then you, our next show was um, one of the conditions of signing was we changed our name and we said, "How about Ailstorm?" They said, "Okay." So perfect. Well, they at first did not think it was um, perfect. They wanted to give us some really stupid name. More piratey, probably. Well, yeah, uh, they wanted something in Scots Gaelic. And we're like, really? It's it's unpronounceable. How are we going to cause any waves anywhere in the world if no one can say our name? Mm-hmm. No, no, by the way, it's pronounced like this. Yeah, exactly. Every interview, people, every interview. Well, hey, here we are, Alestorm. Um, we, Do we, they we, chant we, it like that? Ah, Lestor. Ah, Lestor. I love you, Quebecers. I love you deeply. <laughs> um, then they suggested... Yeah, storm. <laughs> yeah it's, then they suggested uh, Huayda. And we're like, Huayda fuck? And then uh, they said, oh yeah, it's a name for ship. I'm like, okay. We looked up the ship. It was a fucking slave ship. Ooh. Like, you guys have... N-. So we said, no, we're calling it Ailstorm or not at all. Good for you. And they said, fine, okay. It's a great name. It's just pretty good. It's like yeah. beer tsunami. It's perfect. Lager yeah. hurricane. Uh, and then, so our first show, our first like real show as a real as Ailstorm was. Uh, we were the opening band for a tour. It was Curacao, Norther, and Ailstorm UK tour. First show, the nerves were horrendous. Got on stage. Now had me and my little guitar up at the front. We'd never played before. Before the first song, my strap breaks. Guitar <laughs> off the floor. I was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> had to pick it up, reattach the guitar. Then we played, and we were terrible, but you know, people loved it. It's been we were terrible for a long time. Terrible. What steps did you guys take to become not terrible? Well, again, there's that whole thing I was saying how it, all this just sort of happened out of nowhere. We had a bunch of people in the band who were perhaps not best suited to playing in an international touring mm -hmm. heavy metal band. And one, you know, could not play that well. Two, did not have the the, the desire to be on the road for a long time, making no money, living on airport floors. And so there was a lot of stress, a lot of just bad musicianship. And eventually, you know, people leave, we replace them and gradually got ourselves on a nice solid lineup, you know, had crew and just, just surrounding yourself with the right people to make this work, you know. It's it's a day-to-day -day family you've got to build. Yeah. you, you got to be surrounded by people that you love and you trust and that you can go up there and do that part of the job together properly. Yeah, sometimes these, sometimes yeah. it takes time and sometimes some of the hardest decisions is to let go a brother that you love dearly yeah but the musical jobs are just not there we, yeah we, we've um, sometimes it's taken us a couple of years to say oh this this guy really just should not be a part of our team like what do we do he's like let's just stick it out then he's like no 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 this has just got so bad you cannot be here anymore it's hard it's, it's, yeah. it's one of the hardest things of yeah no one likes it like no one enjoys you know firing someone from your crew kicking someone out of your band it's just it's tough you got, you got to think of the better picture of the band yeah. at the end of the day. If you could travel back in time and relive any tour. In, in, in a positive sort of way. Not of course. In, oh, not yes. in, if you travel back and change something, because I was like, oh, God, no, no, I've no, no, no. so many things. No, no. But uh, to relive a tour that you have done, go back in time and you load into that first venue and you live it right to the end again, what tour would that be? Because of the lineup, because of the, the people, the parties. I feel like, um, okay, at this time we were not very good at all. Uh, but, Pagan Fest Europe 2009. There was us. There was a Swashbuckle, the New Jersey pirate grind band. There was, I think, Corpaclani. There was Unleashed, you know, Swedish death metal band. What a random lineup. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. And this German band called The Apocalyptician Writer. <laughs> and they, they're big in Germany. And that was just the most fun. We had the silliest time on tour. Like it was one of these big package tours. Like that, you know, they're, they're, package tours are still very common in the states, but they're not quite a thing anymore in Europe. It's often just like headliner support, so you don't get that thing where everyone's in it together. Just go, yeah, whatever. We're all on tour. There's no real hierarchy. You know, yeah, you're sure, sure you play last, but you still answer to the guy who runs a tour. Mm -hmm. It was a nice, just insane party. Just so much fun and stupidity and drinking and no consequences and just fun. And like we didn't feel like we had to play too well because you know again we were like third on a bill of six it mm -hmm. didn't matter at what point i know you guys are not there in that anymore but did you feel at a time that you guys were like trapped in being on tours with theme bands at what how did you get yourself out of that there what yeah there's been um the whole pagan metal folky dress up in a tunic and play the tin whistle scene was a it's it's you know it's it didn't take a genius to notice like five or six years ago that that whole thing was dying. Mm -hmm. The whole thing. Like th there was absolutely a big boom of that. Like maybe, basically, I guess that's why we got signed because then at the time our record label thought, wow, yeah, guys who have a theme and a tin whistle and the bagpipes and any of that la-di-da heritage folky nonsense, that's the next big thing. So they just, you know, everywhere, all over every festival build, you know, all these things. But it's, 
it's it got stale. It got real stale. Like you know, all those pagan fest tours are gone now. There's, they don't do them in the states. They don't do them in Europe anymore. Um, most of the bands are not as active as they used to be. Yeah, yeah there's a band like Curious who are they one of these big headliners? They've that they they've not done an album since 2013. Fintroll haven't done an album since 2015. Elevati, they still keep going, but they've sort of morphed a bit towards that Melodeath sort of sound. Um, Absolutely, yes. I saw them a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, it's... I guess they, they probably talk less about their pagan heritage brothers, ancestors thing, because that's... It's, it was one of these weird gimmicks, you know, that worked for a while. And we just had to... You know, it's one of these things you've got to... Like most of these sort of gimmick genres, a couple of people rise to the top and the rest get forgotten about. So we thought anew, we had to get out of there. We had to leave that thing. So we sort of, that's sort of why we um, became a bit stupid. It's sort of just dumb party music. It's, we really tried to de-emphasize any sort of, oh, my pagan Scottish pirate ancestors element. That was, you know, one that was never really part of us. We, we, we were never serious about that sort of stuff. It was just a, you know, we had a few violins here and there but obviously we still have violins and you know accordions and whistles and we've got even hurdy-gurdies on music now but it's um primary focus is party yeah it's fun fun, it's fun music as opposed to you know worship your ancestors music correct me if i'm wrong i honestly back in early 2000s thought about forming a pirate metal band i'm not joking really because i wanted to have a plank that the crowd would have you ever are you going to the stage diving plank man we've always wanted to have like yeah stage diving plank and just get the hottest bikini babe in the audience to come up stage and you know we have these water pistols (laughs) full of soap i don't know just you know just real dumb sort of spring break party shit, but pirate themed. I just feel like it's, it just sounds like a legal liability to me. You think, oh, that could be cool. But then like, we were, where were we last night? We were in, um, Ottawa. No, we were, we had a, we had a day off. We were in Moncton, New Brunswick the night before. And I just heard, oh, by the way, no walls of death. I was like, oh, okay, okay, shit. Thanks for that. It's one of these venues. Like if you say the word wall of death, boop, power goes off. Really? Okay. Is that something that you do call? Oh yeah, we, we yeah. it's you know it's again compared to a lot of the um, happy-go-lucky twee folky metal bands, we 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 try and be a bit more. Um, I think we're quite punk, and a lot of because a lot of the are, are like contemporaries at a lot of the festivals we end up playing these days. It's in Europe mostly, and Euro metal these days is a bit sort of polished and you know commercially and you know everything's perfect. And we're still here being a bunch of idiots, you know, fucking shit up and saying swear words because we think they're funny. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's. And you, sometimes you get people who, like, you know, obviously the, we get crossover fans from those more airy fairy polished genres coming to an Ailstorm show. And they think it's going to be a bunch of people standing there going, oh, yes, that was an excellent violin solo. I agree. <laughs> you know, then suddenly they're thrust into this chaos of a mosh pit and everyone's drunk and endless crowd surfers it's uh, that's awesome yeah yeah it's fun where would you like to bring the stage show coming up in the future endless budget at what point is there gonna be a pirate ship on stage an 18 wheeler following you guys I'm thinking like I'm on a Marth where they're at now if you had that budget what would you do yeah um, we've thought about that we've thought about you know the possibility of doing some sort of pirate ship but then 
then we got to that whole thing you know I was saying earlier that we we want to step away from that you know yeah. Avast me hearties this is traditional thing so I was thinking maybe some sort of wild neon pirate ship where it's like some sort of cubist nightmare in bright purple but like still, you know like still like some zany Picasso pirate ship like it's all blocky and weird and cool and just robot laser knights and things and cannons with like stick taps out. everywhere just nonsense we, well, we, um, we've often had um bar optics on the drum kit with them um, filled with whiskey and gin and rum it's amazing the problem is is we just drink them <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes against that wanting to perform yeah it's there's a, they get, it's like oh i'm a wee bit thirsty there's and there's just this bottle of whiskey upended with a all you have to do is get your cup and go oop, push it up into the thing and, and then it's like this is too easy to get drunk so we we, uh, we started I think they're just props now we still do it not in this tour but we do it sometimes and we have these whiskey bottles and rum bottles like middle the back of a bar but I think it's fake now because we just can't handle the drink but yeah um, silly stage shows it's we have this problem that we play in too many countries we just yeah, say, yeah. we say yes to everything and everywhere we go and we're all over the world and we want to put on the good show everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't fly it everywhere. You can't fly yeah. an eighteen wheeler. I know. I know exactly what you're so, so, so right now we're all about being very creative with scrims and good for you. a giant inflatable duck. Really? That is our our current big gimmick is a duck. It was actually a couple of years ago. We um, twenty sixteen we did this tour supporting Sabaton, and they have a, a giant tank on stage. And we were like, okay, right, they have a tank. Well, we, you know, we, we need to sort of look cool next to a tank. So we, uh, like, what can we do? We went on uh, Amazon. We found this eight-foot-tall inflatable duck. Thought that'll do. Stick that on top of the tank. People loved it. People would absolutely batshit crazy. <laughs> it was just the biggest thing. You know, people loved it so much. And they were like, oh, we want the duck. You know, anytime the duck would come out, the crowd would go wild. We're like, yes, we're, this is our thing. Who needs to have a stage show when you can get this duck that folds down literally into, like, you know, a briefcase and, you know, the perfect stage prop. So I thought what would be even better is at the end of the show, we'd throw the duck into the audience. And people could ride it. Oh, well, it, it was huge. They, they, they just sort of bounce it like it's, um, you know, it's taller than a human oh amazing and so they just throw, throw it out and you'd get these fantastic photographs of pro photographers and you'd see this crowd and just somehow there's this duck frozen <laughs> in the midair like what is going on here um so we did that obviously then the duck would get destroyed we'd buy a new duck yada 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 in the long run it was in in, in the average price of buying you know compared to buying an 18 wheeler and things it was more so pretty cheap great stage show um, the duck supplier, it was just some uh, inflatables company. And you can imagine they don't sell many eight-foot-tall inflatable ducks that cost. They're like 300 bucks. So it's like it was a relatively substantial investment for a duck. And they don't sell many of those. Turns out we bought every single one. Really? And they'd stopped making them. Aww. And we were like, oh, what the shit? What do we do? Um, so uh, we thought it was going to be the end of the duck. But <laughs> over the summer... I contacted some some company in the evil empire of China and said, can you make us nine feet tall, giant inflatable ducks? And they said, yep. We'll buy a pallet. <laughs> Pretty much. So the thing is, these ones are great. They've got eye patches. It has the Aylstrom logo across the duck's oh, cool. chest. It looks like a real proper pirate rubber duck. Um, I think we've done a reverse spinal tap. And instead of getting a really small stone hinge, we've got a really <laughs> bigger than we thought. They are huge. And they weigh 
30 kilograms each. Holy shit. No so longer do they fit into a little a briefcase. briefcase. It's, okay. it's, it's, um, it's like a suitcase. It's, a chest high, it's a chest high sort of like army sack. Really? It's yeah. huge. So it's, but uh, you can still travel with it. Just, thank you. Yeah. It's just under the maximum weight limit to bring on a plane. So, But it's great. <laughs> that that's that's going to be our... So that's our um, stage show shaved. Saved. Unfortunately, we cannot throw them into the audience because... You would crush somebody. We, we would kill somebody, yeah. <laughs> At what point, or have you already made an Alestorm beer? Not necessarily to sell at shows, but like at a bar? Or You know, um, that's something we've been very wary, very, very wary to get into. It's almost like a cliche these days that a band brings out, here's our wine, here's our beer, here's our cheap bottom shelf spirit. <laughs> um, I don't want to just, you know, blow our load and, you know, hook up with the first brewery who says we'll make you a thing you know I've, I've even had like local ones in Scotland who were who like 10 minutes away from where I grew up offering but I was like I don't know if it's going to be right you know is this going to be like a small run thing you know it's I would be very reluctant to do that unless it was good mm-hmm. because I feel like um, even that Iron Maiden beer it's not good I mean it's it's Obviously, I think it's like very well designed as a beer. It's um, because it obviously it's like that English style of um of ale that people aren't very familiar with outside the UK, and so they go, "Wow, this is great! This is a a whole style of beer I've never tried before." But it's not a very good example of that style of, of the hand pumped exactly. Ales. It's, it's like the, it's almost like it's been designed by committee to be the least offensive thing that will satisfy international tastes. You're probably absolutely right. Yeah, about but that. that's yeah. Just, I, I fully believe that it's it's not a you know it's it doesn't challenge the palate in any way, and it's not um it's not a complex or a well made beer. It's just it's almost like the industrial level of craft beer it's that's it's, true that's, it's, I, and I that's weird that. and, but you obviously you, because of the branding you see people going nuts over it they have two or three of them now I think even and um I don't like bullshitting people I don't like um you know presenting an image that's fake you know for the band or anything you know we we you know, we don't go uh, like so the whole thing. We don't go say yes. We are true pirate warriors. We're just a bunch of lads who think it's funny to say yo ho, and, <laughs> and that's how we present ourselves. And I'd feel very disingenuous selling a product that you're not stand behind. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, it's just some shitty beer. I don't know. If you were in control and you could make the beer, what style beer would it be, and what would the name be? Well, my favorite beer. Um, so I assume I'd probably replicate my favorite beer because that's the thing I could stand behind the most. It's uh, a Belgian beer uh, from the Castel Brewery. It's called Castel Rouge, mm. and it's a uh, it's a brown ale that they flavor with cherries. So it's it's not like a classic Creek beer. It's um, it's heavy and dark. It's about eight or nine percent alcohol, and it's it's it tastes a bit like syrup, mm. but like it's cherry syrup beer it's malty yeah it's, 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 it's malty and so it's not like a weird it's not sour or anything yeah yeah as opposed to a creek yeah but um i feel like that wouldn't mark it well it's it's you no know, it's definitely not a popular thing but you know i would just you know obviously the obvious first thing to do is just call it alestorm you know absolutely we actually got hit up by um brewdog they wanted to do a thing with us but then, it, then the conversation got weird and it turns out they didn't want to make us a beer and they just wanted us to play their AGM. I was like, no, I don't want to play a concert. I just want alcohol. Yeah. 
And Shout out to Brewdog. Yeah. I like Brewdog. I, I, you know, the good beer again. It's, it's, a, it's a Scottish thing, isn't it? I believe you are right. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. A lot of a lot of good things coming. I, I like how there there's like franchises popping out throughout the yeah, UK. Exactly. So when I'm touring there, I can go drink some craft beer, whatever I am. Yeah, they're, they're good. and they they're like one of the first in the UK to really embrace that North American style of craft beers. It's from the atmosphere to everything about the pubs. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. I like it. But yeah, Chris, thank you so much. Taking some time. I've had a lot of fun sharing a beer with me. This is Cheers, very good beer. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Uh, Funny story about uh, this interview. Um, Sort of a milestone interview for the Vox and Hops podcast. This was actually the first interview where I was hit up beforehand by a publicist from Napalm Records asking if I would like to interview Chris. I was super stoked and excited about that, so I absolutely obliged and made it happen. I'm super happy I did. Chris was amazing. The dudes from Ailstorm were super nice, warm, and welcoming. So a uh, huge shout out to Natalie Camilo from Napalm Records for hitting me up to interview Chris. It was very, very enjoyable, and uh, I had a great time. So uh, cheers to the boys in Ailstorm, and cheers to you, Natalie. I've started a new segment called Vox and Hops Metal Brewer Talks, where I interview metal brewers from around the globe and we talk about their lives their love of music and how they got into brewing craft beer i just recorded my first interview this past weekend with jason stevenson the head brewer of juggernaut brewing company from manchester uk it was a great chat that'll be coming out in the next few weeks are you a metal brewer if you are a metal brewer you like metal music and you brew some craft beer and you would like to be a guest on the Vox and Hops podcast, please send me a message via the Vox and Hops social media pages or you can just email me at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And I'd be more than happy to explain to you the process and how this would all go down. Also, I want to hear from you guys. If you guys have any questions for me, that you would like me to answer on air a Vox and Hops fan question segment, you can also send me an email, and I'd be super stoked to answer your questions during the intros. I'll mention your names, I'll read out your questions, and I'll answer them. So uh, if you guys have any questions for me for once, let's turn the tables around instead of me uh, asking other people questions. If you guys have questions for me, shoot me them via my email. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week. And remember to enjoy life. Metal and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Offsets. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.